Ross and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, claims of the paranormal. No, no, no. We take part ourselves. Yep. When they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Ross Blotcher. I'm Carrie Poppy, and we are back with more Pyridine Pyramid Power. You demanded it. You said we want to hear more about the pyramids. You didn't know you demanded it, but you did energetically. Someone pointed out that in one of my scales at the end when we were rating this, that I brought up Taco Bell, buying something at Taco Bell, but we didn't point out Taco Bell is no relation to Fred Bell. Oh, touche. Can't believe. Well, Can't believe that I we know that. of. Mm. Did you look into it? Well, if Taco Bell's related to Alexander Graham Bell. Sincerely, I'm now remembering, like, I think Taco Bell did- Founded ha- by people- Named Bell. Yeah. I think that's right. Okay. So, okay, wait, stop everything. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Wait, okay. How did Taco Bell get its name? Okay. (laughs) From the owner's name, Glenn Bell. Oh, goodness. So maybe. And is Art Bell related? Uh oh. Oh, wow. Okay. A lot of interesting bells, aren't there? This will be a whole separate investigation coming soon. But in the meantime, we have another bell with us today. I can't tell you how excited Carrie and I are Uh, about this interview. Oh my gosh. And how much we want to share it with you. Yes. So we will be speaking with Megan Bell. Megan Bell Musharbash, but we'll call her Megan Bell. Goes by both names. She is Dr. Fred Bell's daughter. Yes. And thus a direct descendant of Alexander Graham Bell, if we are to take quite a bit of pyridine literature literally. So we'll talk about that and many other issues. It's such a fun conversation. I think we'll just let you experience it, but we'll have a little to say at the end. Yes, this is one bell that cannot be unrung. (laughs) Here she is. Well, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm excited to be on you guys' show. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So you actually got to listen to part one of this investigation. So you've heard about our adventures and misadventures with these hats we're wearing now. I did, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea what your guys' show was about. Um, So I, I, I looked it up and I was like, oh, this looks fun. Okay, so you guys are investigators. That's awesome. Well, hopefully you had some fun and, and maybe you'll have uh, some notes of things that you can clear up for us. But we have questions for you as well. Yeah. So maybe we start with, uh, obviously, we know how you got involved with pyridine or is it pyridine? Pyridine, yeah. Pyridine. So obviously your your father founded it. Did you always expect that you would take it over at some point or was that sort of a, once he passed away, you wanted to keep the family business going? Yeah, it's um, actually not something that I thought I would ever be taking over. Um, it's a very long story about how it, how it ended up coming about. But when I was a kid, so I was obviously born in California and grew up in the UK, hence the accent. My mom's mm-hmm. English. I went back and forth every summer. I had the summers with my dad and every other Christmas, but I would spend a lot of time in the offices in downtown Laguna Beach until like three, four in the morning. My stepmom would be there and I used to fall asleep on the floor sometimes because they'd be working so late, but I used to chain the receptors and help do all the photocopying. And it's really cool though, because my mom, that was my stepmom, but my mom back in the day actually used to run Pyridine too. So it's not something I ever really thought about. I did not think that my dad was going to pass when he did. It was yeah, a, right. That was a it was a shock. Yeah, and and you have two sisters. I have three sisters, so oh. I have 
one whole sister, same mom, mm. same dad, and two half sisters, same dad, different moms. Okay. And are any of them involved in the Pyridine business? They are not. No. Okay. No. They they all had kids at the time. They all had young kids. And due to obviously the circumstances that were requiring uh, a lot of traveling, mm. they just weren't able to do it because of the, the whole mess that, that happened after my dad's passing. Mm. And I was the only one that was single and able to kind of just do what needed to get done. So the whole mess being just sort of the usual thing we'd expect after someone passes, just sort of scrambling to tie up loose ends. Or was there a unique circumstance there? No, uh, it was a unique circumstance. I don't know if you guys have done much investigating into that, but, uh, but my us. dad was at, yeah, he was actually filming a TV show for Jesse Ventures Conspiracy Theories mm-hmm. when he passed away. Uh, he passed away the next day after the interview finished. And he was left in that state. And there was a big kerfuffle. I was living in England at the time, and we kind of found out by accident through my father's girlfriend at the time for his mother her mother it's a very long story but anyways um, I ended up calling her and she was at the airport and she was about to hop on a flight and she really didn't tell me much she didn't want to tell me anything and um, it was very confusing trying to get information out I ended up talking to the medical people the people at the hotel where they were staying so she went back to California and um, proceeded to not take our calls. And I was living at that house the year before in 2009. I was actually helping to run the business at that time. And this is 2011. Your your father passed away in September. Yeah, September 25th. So it's coming up almost 10 years now. Can't even believe it's been 10 years. But anyways, she went back and it was mayhem to try to figure out what was going on. So I ended up flying back to England that same day. And then the next day flying back out to California. Oh my God. Trying to get some answers. Oh, wow. Um she said that there was no need for us to go to the house until he was back. But the medical people were receiving so many calls that they wouldn't speak to anybody unless they were direct family. They said, we only want to deal with one person. So I said, okay, me and my sister Alana, we were like, all right, that will be us. Trying to get information as to what happened was really hard. It was different stories from everybody about what had happened to him. Hmm. It took us two weeks to be able to get a lawyer to be able to get access, to be able to, because he passed in another state. And before we could get his body back to California, we he had to be you. They wouldn't allow us to ship him. Okay. So I didn't have any money or anything. So I had to fly to California, to Arizona, funny enough, and then to Minnesota with my uh, sister, Alana's mother. She came with me to identify him. And then we had him cremated and then we brought him back to California two weeks later. And it, he, by that time, he'd already gone through two autopsies, which we didn't know about. Didn't give permission for, but they just did it. Anyway, it, there's a lot to it, guys. There's, there, wow. there's really a lot to it. Well, you're not kidding. That was a lot to go through uh, on top of just yeah. the normal grieving at losing a parent. My goodness. Yeah. 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 Well, I know there's even more to that story, but to pull back for a second to the the business itself and the philosophy that your dad started, when did you first realize what your dad did for a living? And did you always buy into that, believe it, or were were you skeptical? Because it's a wild story. Sure thing. It definitely is. I mean, I was born into it, literally. I was born at home in Laguna Beach in a pyramid. My mom gave birth to my sister. Inside of a large bed pyramid. And I okay. Cool. I was born in 10 minutes. 
my sister was born in an hour whoa so, um, fast i kind of get my mum for that because i'm like hey i thought this was supposed to be easy <laughs> when yeah. i was my first son i was like you didn't tell me it was gonna be like this i went did, to the natural approach do you didn't give birth to your child inside of a pyramid i did not okay well that's uh, on first you one, first one yeah right first <laughs> one was in a in a, a birthing haven and the second one was in the hospital okay so no i i, I didn't but I guess, you know, when you're born into something, it's kind of normal for you, I yeah. suppose. But at the same time, because I, I lived such very different lives, I want to say. In the UK, I lived very differently than when I would be out in the States, you know. Mm. And I was almost, I think when I was a kid, I had a lot of fear about, like, talking about what my dad did because I couldn't really explain it, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I would wear, I would wear a receptor when I was, like, six and a pyramid and stuff and I knew that when I was wearing it I, f- I felt good I felt better but I couldn't explain it England is if you're talking about people who are skeptical and sarcastic mm-hmm. England's probably the number one country for that mm-hmm. oh, so yeah. mm-hmm. I was not willing to be open to the ridicule of like trying to explain something that I had no I'm like oh I know I feel good when I'm wearing it but I I don't know how it works yeah. So it took me until I was probably in my late teens to really be like, no, that I, there is actually something to this mm-hmm. and I'm going to explore it more. What Was your dad very present in your life? And did he talk to you a lot about this and kind of explain his experiences and, and the technology? Uh, not really. My dad was very dedicated to his work. My paradigm is kind of, I want to say, a side effect of what my dad really did. So that, that, that was a, a product that came about after you know, all of everything that he kind of achieved and and did in his life. And he was really about just bringing awareness to people, raising consciousness of people and, um, and helping people. And I think when I was a kid, I used to want and definitely crave more of his time and his attention. Um, But as I got older, kind of respected what he was about, Mm -hmm. seeing firsthand what he did and how much he helped people and honestly, how much people loved him. I didn't know anyone who ever spoke badly about him. People really admired him and really loved him. And and obviously of what I knew of him, my dad, the way he was with me, even when I was older, which used to bug me, he was really silly with me. He used to be really immature <laughs> and just like a complete child. And even when I grew up, I think because he only ever saw us every year, it was like, mom, dad, I've grown up now. <laughs> you just don't need to tickle me and like do all funny things. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like he didn't, I feel like my dad didn't really know how to be a dad. Mm. In, in all honesty, he grew up very, very quickly with everything that he went through. And he went into the army young and he went into the government young. And he was really propelled into something that I feel like he didn't have a choice in in a lot of ways. So he had a, he was kind of a big kid at heart. So he liked his toys for sure. He loved like train sets and like remote control cars. And that was his, I want to say downtime, his way to release the pressure and release everything that he had an incredible mind. If you ever ha- heard my dad speak, mm-hmm. he was powerful and he was a public speaker. So he used to travel across the world speaking. And I used to go to seminars with him when I was a kid. And we'd come over and visit and he'd be traveling still from state to state. So we got to travel a lot young and listen to him. And it's just kind of being in awe of him, to be honest. But he needed that. He needed that release. He had like a big kid side of him. Just from photos, it looks like you were a very young child when he was kind of in advanced age. If if you don't mind saying, when were you born? I was born in 87. 87. Okay. Oh, you're younger than we are. So he was pretty old uh, when you were born. What, 44? Yeah. My, actually, my oldest half sister, she is, I want to say 
in her 40s. So a bit of a range there. Yeah, I'm the youngest out of all of my sisters. <laughs> okay, and Pyridine was already 10 years old when you were born. So yeah, you really were born into it. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned that Pyridine was sort of a side effect of your dad's main thing. How would you summarize your dad's main thing? My dad's main thing was his radio shows, mm. um, health seminars. He used to travel about the country doing all kinds of expos talking and teaching he really uh, do you guys have his books have you read any of his books yeah i read Mm -hmm. the promise okay not that one okay (laughs) kind of the the promise is half fiction half truth so it's more of like an entertainment book i suppose but his other books like death of ignorance race of truth and the inside track those are really the core of of knowledge of, of what he talk about and some of it is really really far out there a lot of it was exposing governmental stuff obviously there's a big conspiracy around that toward his death for sure um about stuff that he exposed and was exposing so okay so you said those, uh, are, the, those are the books to read <laughs> okay good to know well so you said the promise is half true half fiction i i, I noticed that on the cover here it does say the true story. It does say in the introduction by Dr. Fred Bell that the experiences are all true almost to the exact words. So I, I didn't get the impression from the book that it was partly fiction. Well, my dad didn't write that book. Brad Steiger wrote that. Yeah, though, um, though that introduction where he says that, that is written by your father. Um, I'm curious, when, when was your father born? What year? He was born in, I think it was 42. He was 68 when he passed away. So okay. he would be seventy-eight. So his, his birthday was August tenth, forty-three. Yes, forty-three. Okay. Yeah, because we we noticed that his dad in the story passes away in nineteen thirty-nine, and we were trying to make that yeah, make sense in true. our heads. <laughs> we're like thirty-nine yeah. to forty-three. That's some that's some long-lasting sperm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. His real dad, he didn't really know. His he, he was raised by his stepdad. And uh, his, okay. his real dad, I remember when there were really bad fires in California, I was just a kid. His real dad reached out to him and left a message on his, on his answer machine. And my dad had always longed for a connection with him. I can really remember this strongly. And he had tried to call him. He had tried to reach out to him. And he actually passed away not too long after that. And he was never able to connect with him. Mm-hmm. So I know that that was deep on my dad's heart for sure. But And that was Alan. Okay, so mm-hmm. his, his father's name was Alan. And your father talked often about being a descendant of Alexander Graham Bell? Yeah, my dad had a timeline, like a, I don't know what you call it, family tree mm-hmm. on his wall. And it's actually in one of his YouTube videos. I think it's either on our channel or on his channel. You can see it in the background. Unfortunately, because of everything that happened, all of my dad's property was stolen when he, when he passed away. It was, that's one of the reasons why we had to have a lawyer. And again, it's deep into the realm of the story of everything, but. Stolen by whom, do you know? Well, everything was packed up. So when I lived in his house, I took pictures of everything in his house, every room in his house, because he literally had the most incredible house. He was a collector. So he had motorcycles, vintage bikes. He had a vintage Ferrari. Like he was a musician. He had a music studio in his house. It was fascinating. And I was going back and forth to the UK. So I was like, you know, I wanted to have pictures. Maybe that's mm-hmm. weird for some people, but it's, for me, it was memories, right? Sounds like it came in handy. Yeah, it was. When, when we, when, and I was like, no, I, I have all of this. All of this stuff is gone. And so some of it was found in storage units that was gained access by our lawyers. And then one guy in Riverside, when we switched lawyers to another one, he 
had an airplane hanger which had a Porsche in it. It had a very rare motorcycle in it and it had some Pyridine stock and some other random things in there. We had no idea that this stuff even existed. So we were finding kind of random things, but a lot of his stuff remained missing. We had his girlfriend in for a deposition in the court and her response to most of the questions was, I I don't know, I was drinking and I don't remember what happened to everything. I don't remember what I did with everything. So, oh, oh, no. Huh. Yeah. Okay, I have a couple questions. So there was a girlfriend kind of at the time he died, and then you've mentioned your mother and then children from another mother. So it sounded like he had kind of an active relationship life. He was married twice? I think he was married three times. Okay. And he was married to my stepmom, Frauka. Yeah. But all of the women in his life, my stepmom, my sister Alana's mom, they're all really close, even to this day. I'm okay. really close with my stepmom. They got divorced when I was 17 so she was she was always in my life she's a German lady I visited her in Germany she's come out to stay with us so my dad did attract very very nice people in his life well that's good I'm not going to speak badly of his last girlfriend because we did get along for a period of time you know when I lived there but as to everything that happened when he passed away, I don't know why she did all of that. Okay. So returning to Alexander Graham Bell, you said that he... <laughs> I forgot that that was the question in play. Go on. <laughs> you, you said that there was a kind of a family tree that he had. Did, do you kind of understand how the lineage works? You know, was it through the father or... I don't. I wish I had it. That's what I'm saying. I wish I had it. Okay. I would love, I'd love to know the, the exact like direct connection. It's pretty cool to be able to be related to somebody like that yeah it would so be. on the website it says uh direct descendant so that should be pretty trackable right direct, so, direct descendant means like you come from from their family lineage right from that tree well usually direct means like you know child of a child of a child okay so all by the way everything that we have on the website all of the verbiage was taken from the previous paradigm website so i didn't personally write that okay. gotcha Gotcha. Um, I did try to look into this a little bit, and uh, and I was able to find your dad's birth certificate and who his dad was and follow it up the tree. It doesn't seem there was a direct descendants there, because it seems like, let's see, your dad's great-grandfather would have been Donald Bell, who lived about the same time as Alexander Graham Bell. So my dad's great-grandfather? Mm-hmm. I don't think his name is Donald, no. It will come to me. Okay. And then I believe uh, Carrie found that Alexander Graham Bell had two daughters, and certainly, you know, someone mm-hmm. could have changed their name, but two daughters who lived to adulthood to have kids. So, yeah, maybe someone changed their name back or didn't take a, a married name. He's not, yeah, he's not, he's related to him. He's not, a, he's not his like his, direct descendant. His son, okay. I suppose. Right. Yeah. Okay. It looks like your dad's dad was Alan Bell. His dad was Donald Bell. His dad was James Bell. And James Bell lived about the same time. Okay. So maybe, maybe related, but if so, But you don't have that fully that worked out either. So okay. I don't have Fair it enough. free, but my dad had it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was big. It wasn't like one line. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Huge tree. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, well, what about, uh, so you mentioned that some of the uh, the promise is fictional. So what about the UFO stuff? Is that is that real? As far as I know, I wasn't around at the time. So you haven't had any personal experience with UFOs or sightings or aliens? No, not anything like an encounter where I'm having a conversation with someone. My dad used to go on what he would call his sunset cruises. So he, my dad used to be a collector of Corvettes, he loved Corvettes. And he used to go out in Laguna Beach on the sunset and he used to put me and my sister in the front seat, one chair, as sharing a seatbelt, and he used to take us out and he used to take pictures of the sunset. 
Um, one afternoon we went out and it was in the afternoon time. Maybe the sun was still high in the sky. I remember he pulled over on the PCH and he pointed up to the sky and there was like this silver disc. And he says, do you see that? And I said, yes. And he took a picture of it. That's all I can remember. I was a, I was a young kid. Um, I have physical pictures of his that we got back that were in the storage units that have, and some of them that were in his little bag, his travel bag from when he was at Jesse Ventura's show because the estate had to collect everything from the hotel. So he had a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. in there, some really cool pictures uh, of him standing, pointing to stuff, pointing to ships and things like that. I have my own personal beliefs on what UFOs are, but Mm -hmm. I can't discredit my, my father's own encounters. They were his personal encounters. He, he was there, I wasn't, so I can't yeah. judge him on that, you know. Sure. What do you think they are? Well, I mean, I believe that that we have like, you know, we have natural and we have supernatural, and I believe we all possess a spirit. I believe we all have a spirit within us, you know, because one, one of the most convicting things of that for me was when I saw my dad after two weeks of, of him having passed, and even though it looked like him, I could see that he was gone, mm. and that was like, to me, a real a real reaffirming thing that we each have a spirit within us and that when we pass away that goes somewhere because it was like there it was like an empty vessel like a home mm. that no one lives in anymore you know it's mm. it was a, obviously the weirdest thing to see past yeah. parent but just to know like they once had a had a spirit so i mm. personally believe you know we all have we all have a spirit and that there is a and you know an, an, another realm so to speak. And then, then we have the natural laws of physics and then we have things that defy physics. So you, you've got the government coming out right now talking about aliens and, you know, classified UFO ships and unidentified flying things and all this kind of stuff that they see. I'm sure you guys have seen it on the news. Oh, Even yeah. President Obama was talking about it. Mm-hmm. I don't personally believe that they're from another planet. I believe that they're demonic uh, or, you know, maybe mm-hmm. even angelic, but I go back to the Bible for that kind of stuff to see what it says and um there's plenty of supernatural encounters that exist so it could have been an angelic supernatural encounter or it could have been a demonic one i don't i don't know because i wasn't there but it does say in the bible about how the government will rest they will rest on the government's shoulders in the end times and it talks about the government my dad also talked about this how the government worked closely with the ets you know all these crash sites and whatever i'm sure you guys have looked into that too Mm -hmm. so i believe that there's probably some kind of connection again that's just my personal belief doesn't necessarily make me right but it's just what i believe and yeah i've heard my dad talking about them and i know my dad's not a liar that's for sure and Mm -hmm. he's very convicted of his beliefs so he's talked about it he talked about it for many 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 years how much of the truth i guess we'll find out one day okay so so you you feel that he was speaking his truth that he actually believed what he said but you think he might have maybe been mistaken about the nature of some of those things that he encountered or saw absolutely absolutely my mom was my dad got to lose you know he was not the type of person to even he didn't like attention i remember he almost had like a shyness to him and he spoke about things because he felt like he was supposed to. He felt compelled to talk on stuff regardless of mm. how people criticized him or even mocked him. He wasn't afraid of that. And he was like, I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And you can't win everyone in the world. That's just not, mm-hmm. the, that's just not the way the world is. Unfortunately, people have to make up their own minds for themselves. They have to use common sense. And they also have to say, okay, does that seem right to me? How do I, how, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Everyone walks a different path. Everyone walks its sense to one person that may look normal to another person that may look really, really strange. Yeah. Know? And I can understand how my dad's path to many probably looks that way, but I'm his daughter mm-hmm. and I knew him very, very well. And my dad was a good man. Yeah. Well, I relate to that. I mean, I have many times found myself in the position where I have to speak an uncomfortable truth or at least an uncomfortable truth as I see it. Right. Usually we bridge that gap between my truth, Ross's truth, and your truth with evidence. So, uh, which is interesting. I saw that in a in a Facebook engagement, you mentioned that there was evidence for uh, the pyramids' effectiveness. That I think you said in 1977 there was a study done on how they work. Doctor Howard, uh, his name. We have it on our website. One sec, it's just loading. Yeah, sure. Doctor Howard White. Doctor Howard White. May twenty third, nineteen seventy seven. Okay, we'll oh. have to look that up. But right, you guys, my dad, right my dad invented pyramids. Out. Obviously, you know that sure, pyramids yeah. have been around for a very long time. Yeah, a few thousand a years. Other people, yeah, a lot of other people make them and sell them. But could you summarize maybe the the findings of that study? Kind of what it was about. Yeah, so they were observing, I suppose, um, the pyridome to see the like alpha state and to see how how the quantum states changed and um gosh it's been so long since i've read it they were observing the difference in how the the person felt and let me go back to it the mood elevation using muscle reflex testing well you Uh, can do that now now that's pretty simple anyone can do a muscle test you do the arm or you do the finger the finger test is really good the arm is a little bit I, I like the finger test personally because it's, you know, lots of doctors use it. Can you describe how that test works? Sure. So a person will stand and just, you know, relax, take a deep mm-hmm. breath, whatever, have their arms down by their side, then they'll raise one of them. The right or the left doesn't matter. They hold out their hand flat like this, mm-hmm. make a circle with their hands, take off any any jewelry or like magnetic bracelets or watches or whatever. And then you'll pull the, someone will pull the fingers apart. You'll have someone testing you and you'll say, okay, show me. Yes. So she just, Megan described it, but she's got her hand out, palm up and it's flat, but the thumb and the index finger are touching to make a loop. Mm -hmm. And then someone will come and try to separate those two. Exactly. And you'll say, yes, no, you can do it with your eyes closed, open, doesn't, it works exactly the same way. And so so show me yes, show me no, so you know what your body's responding to. And then you can test your hold, like whatever it is against your chest, which is directly in your energy field, which is measured to be about, I guess, two feet um, around you. And then uh, you'll see like if a food is about bad for you, if you have an allergy to it, this is what a lot of doctors do. And they can define it from there too, to see how much of something you can take or how little of something you can take. And then they'll do it. We, we do it using the headgear pyramids, use it doing using the receptors. And pretty much the way we test with the receptor, we'll use like a harmful subject. And you can actually do it with you guys' pyramids. So you can take your cell phone, you take your pyramid off, mm-hmm. do your yes, no. And you can even just do the arm test or with this and say, is this good for me? Hold your cell phone right against your chest. You can pretty much imagine how your body is going to respond. Not well, because what happens is you've got a toxin right up against your body. So now your, your hydrogen atom is flattening like this. It's like this, nice full of oxygen. Then you take something bad that the body doesn't like, you put it against it and it goes flat. You get a weak response. Mm. That's what's going to happen. Try it again, put your pyramid back on, do the same test and watch what happens. Okay. And the, so just going back to that muscle test with the fingers there. So if the fingers stay together, 
that's like a positive, whereas if they can be pulled apart, that's a weaker or negative well, result. Right. That's why you want to do the test to say yes or no, first of all. So you want to see usually, you know, a weak response. Your, body, your fingers are just going to do this, meaning like not getting anything. And when your fingers kind of jam shut oh, like this, it's usually the, the bottle, the body responding, saying, the, "I need that." You'll feel a tension in your fingers. This is interesting. Okay, I'm, I'm not aware. You're of gonna, yeah, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna resist. Okay, it's just a basic muscle test. It's so, called kinesiology. And something like that was used for that 1977 study. I don't know exactly how he tested. Okay. It, it does say on your site, it says using muscle reflex testing, we have proven that the fire dome supplies energy to the body. Hmm. It also says, so in the in the link to Dr. Howard White's study, it's called a clinical study. When I go and look at the actual letter, it says, Dear Mr. Bell, this letter is to relate some preliminary findings of some informal look-see research I have been conducting with your products. Do you think that's fairly called a clinical study? They call it a clinical study. <laughs> they being your website? No, 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 them, these, these, these people. Okay. You what, guys ever what, listen to any of my dad's interviews? No. Some of them. Some. But certainly okay. there's a lot of material with your dad out there. We haven't listened to all of it, that's for sure. Yeah, there is a lot. But sorry, what, what people are you referring to? The people that conducted the study mm. and well, so, many other studies. This is, this is like I said, because everything was stolen, mm. we have very limited, like, resources of everything I pretty much had to start from scratch I obviously knew a lot of our manufacturers mm -hmm. but as far as this all of the stuff that Pyridine had and all my dad's personal stuff mm -hmm. it was all stolen yeah well this has the original letter though I'm looking at the letter from yeah yeah this this, this is one of the original letters yeah this is one of the only ones that we have okay. yeah what one of the only ones that we have it, it sounds like from the letter that they're treating it more like kind of an informal you know well we're just checking this out. Yeah, and it's just one guy's account. So, I mean, that wouldn't be a study, I guess, is what I'm pointing out, which, you know. Yeah. Have you guys ever heard of the uh, nocebo effect? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, kind of the, guys... the the obverse of the placebo effect. So if, if you think something is going to have a negative effect, it can kind of in the same way that a placebo effect can give you a positive result. Right. Right. Sorry, why are you mentioning that? I'm not, I'm not drawing the connection. Oh, because if you're looking for something negative, you're going to find it. Okay, so you think that maybe we're uh, a little predisposed against the efficacy of the pyramid? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just, well, just a little bit. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, we're, we're interested in, of course, what's true and, and how do you find that out? But of course, our own subjectivity and bias, of course, always is going to play into that. That's what science is really great at is finding ways to remove one's personal subjectivity from an experiment, from a study, um, right, which absolutely. Br brings me to, uh, I want to bring up the fruit test I did, which, you know, wasn't uh, certainly not a locked up scientific study. It wasn't blinded or anything. I could see what was going on. I knew which fruit was where. But you were mentioning, because I posted photos on our Facebook page of mm -hmm. um, uh, the fruit as I had it. I did two runs. One was just three and a half days, and it was kind of a draw, the fruit inside the pyramid and outside the pyramid. Um, but then I had a longer one that was more like four. 14 days or something like that. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned a couple things after looking at those images. One was the type of the pyramid, because I have the fire dome. And the other one was that the fruit needed to be entirely within the bounds of the pyramid. Can you talk maybe a bit about that? Yeah, you broke up a little bit, but I think I know what you're, you're referring to because I did see the post. Um, in order to conduct the test properly, everything mm -hmm. has to be right underneath it. So if your pyramid shape is like this and you've got stuff sticking out of it, 
it's it's not going to have any kind of an effect. So it can't right. be a Probably lot of... It might have some, but that's why we don't use the smaller ones and stuff like that because it has to be completely covering it. So it, we use also the, the gold. It has way better effects than the fire dome's not been specifically. And I think it has to do with the fact that it's been fired. I don't know why, but it seems to work differently than the Orgone gold pyramids. Okay. I believe oh, it has to do with mine. the active... And, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Well, I actually to... have your, the one you have on my fruit bowl. So I have it raised up over the fruit bowl. So that way I can actually get everything underneath it. Ah. So it's not completely breathing. If you want to conduct the study like properly and fairly, okay. I would recommend yeah. you either use the vitamin or if you're going to use the one that, that you have is put the one or two pieces of fruit directly in the middle underneath it. Okay. Don't take them out. Don't so you can't you can't have out. a bunch of fruit. Well, definitely never touch the fruit. You know. Well, I did take out the ones that had gone bad because I didn't want them to spoil. Yeah, the and that's really interesting too. I've never seen that happen. I've never seen that happen. Okay. So that was like, whoa, why is that? And I know you had a, a lot of fruit under there. Yeah. And obviously, that's not good. That's so not you need work. to use less fruit. Okay. Well, yeah. If you want to conduct the study fairly, and sure, and I do. do. You guys, you guys should also look into the brine shrimp test that was done. So there was a brine shrimp test that was done with the fish that died and fish that stayed living underneath the pyramid. There's been tons, not just us. We, we haven't done hardly any uh, experiments considering the amount that are out there that exist. Mm. Pyramid studies have been going on for decades and decades mm. and decades. And uh, what happens with the brine shrimp? They live better under the pyramid? Yeah, and then they died under without, and then they lived mm. under the, the... I guess from what my understanding is, it, the, the, the items that stay underneath the pyramid stay in a living state. So either they just don't go bad as fast, or I don't know what it is. Okay. And I, I know the environment has a lot to do with it because everything carries energy. Everything, your home, people, people that come around you, every even like you can be around someone and you're like, oh. Oh, sure. They have bad energy. Mm -hmm. that, doesn't, that doesn't feel good. That has an effect mm -hmm. on everything around you and everything that's living. You, you you, guys mentioned in your podcast about Dr. Emoto's rice test yeah. or even the water test, mm -hmm. whether you're breathing on something or you're talking to something. Words are a vibration and they carry energy. So they have an effect. Your mm -hmm. words have an effect. My words have an effect. Even plants in Italy and in Europe, they play music to melons, to cantaloupes. And they sell these cantaloupes for 250 pounds because they're supposed to be sweeter in taste and because they've, they've been loved on and they've had words spoken over <laughs> and they're supposed to be healthy for it and they're supposed to grow better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, well, I mean, to use Dr. Emoto as a specific example, that's one that it's gotten so much publicity that many scientists have tried to replicate that with controls and people not knowing exactly which item they're talking to, et cetera. And they've never been able to clearly replicate that result. So, I mean, he, it's he it's, seems to be the only guy who can get water to do that. Yeah. So, I mean, really? It, it sounds cool, but again, when have you, you guys looked on YouTube? Have you guys looked on YouTube? There's tons of people that have done the experiment. Yes, the I've sure. seen the videos. Yeah, well, so uh, yeah, this this brings up an interesting point, though. When one person has an experience, but it's not compared to anybody else or done with any sort of controls, you know, what what is a person supposed to make of that? Then wouldn't my negative experience cancel out your positive experience? Oh, that's like, well, one person getting cancer and another person not getting cancer. Do you deny the cancer exists because you don't have it? It, it doesn't 
well, uh, yes, I, I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You need to have proof and evidence and everything, but sometimes mm-hmm. you, you can't grasp what's invisible. Like you just can't quantify it in that in that level. And science is always changing. You have to remember that. One day science mm-hmm. says this and tomorrow science says that. Absolutely. So nothing is ever forever in yeah. that way. Though, you things know, are always changing. And it's very like it's actually very transient. So because things are constantly tra- and things are very subjective too. Things are very subjective and, and just one test can be implemented, can be impacted by a person's energy, by where they conduct the study, by where they are in the world. There are all of these things that, that come into play. Yeah. It's not a black and white. Well, and that's why, uh, you know, science uh, done properly removes a lot of those factors or accounts for them. So then we try to design studies that that account for the location and the interaction of the experimenters themselves. So, yeah, sure. science uh, takes a lot of work. But, you know, I will say to, to your earlier point that science, when it finds new conclusions, when it changes its synthesis, it's not just, you know, like, well, we were completely just <laughs> talking out our butts before. There's an explanation for why we observed it differently before and why we're observing it in a new light now or what we didn't understand before that we understand better now. So I, I wouldn't say science is willy-nilly. It's cumulative. It's always adding to the total amount oh, it's of very knowledge. relevant. Yeah, absolutely. Very, and, very relevant and very important. Okay. Well, we agree on that. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. And, and your dad was very science-minded, yes? Well, yeah. I mean, he was a quantum physicist, so yeah, he so definitely was. He, uh, so he worked for NASA, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know what he did there? He worked on Apollo. He helped build rockets. I mean, you can listen to his radio shows if you want to know exactly every single thing that he did there. Was he like personnel or was he like a contractor? For no, them? no. I don't, I don't know exactly. I wasn't around at that, at that time. And you guys have to remember too, we lived in different countries. Mm. And when I would spend time with my dad, I wasn't asking him every <laughs> detail about his past. Oh, sure. Because sure. I was a kid and I didn't didn't think he was going to pass away so soon sure. I thought I had time but you've, him, so. you've listened to his interviews and and so he said that he worked at NASA on Apollo 11 but you're not sure if he was a contractor or a employee of NASA um he's talked about it in one show I've heard him on all of his radio shows when I was a kid talking about all the various different things he did I I don't remember I know he contracted for National Health Federation and I know he contracted for many independent private companies but for NASA personally, I don't know exactly whether he was employed directly by them, if he was hired mm-hmm. as an independent contractor or as a consultant. I'm not sure. I, I take my dad for his word. I don't see why he would lie. Yeah. Come. And he goes as Dr. Fred Bell. Do you know what his doctorate was in? Yes, but it's hold on. Uh, not medicine or maybe it was medicine. That's why I asked how old you had with the questions. I said, what are you guys going to ask me? I would have had your answers for you instead of... Oh, that's all right. Off the, well, off the cusp. I apologize. No, that's all right. I will. Yeah, I do know. I just can't remember exactly the name of it. I Feel free to send us any supplemental material later and we'll, we'll incorporate add it. that. Yeah. Yeah, I will. Let me see um, if I can find it right now. Go ahead. You can keep asking. Okay. I'm good at multitasking. Okay. <laughs> well, I did find on the website that it said his doctorate was from Bernadine University in Pasadena, right? Um, he got one of his, I think it was a doctorate, doctorate. I think it was his doctorate. He got while he was working with the, what do you call it? Air Force. Military school. I think I've read this a little more recently than you, so I can tell you. The master's degree, 
your website says, was from that Air Force Academy. And that was a master's degree in uh, chemistry, I believe. And then the... the yes, yes. He had the- he had all of his certificates, all of them. Again, you're, there's this one video in of the house on Laguna Beach. They're all framed and they're all on the wall. Okay. All of them. He had about 15 different ones. Oh, wow. He's doing a tour. He's doing a house tour in Laguna Beach showing you around. This was the house I was born in. And he shows... He had walls of, of that's why I took pictures you guys of his house yeah cool yeah. because there was see them. so much stuff yeah um, please send those to be honest what you guys are telling me like I I want to say I'm not I'm not really surprised because they really tried to remove him and discredit mm-hmm. him so mm-hmm. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm really not surprised. With uh, Bernadine University. So the, the website says that's where he got his doctorate. And it says Bernadine University in Pasadena. So I looked into this. There's never been a Bernadine University in Pasadena, but there was one in Texas. So maybe that was just a misstatement. But the one in Texas was started by a church and was shut down by the Texas government for essentially being a diploma mill. Do you think that could be where he got his doctorate? I've never heard him mention anything about Texas. He's always said the same thing. Well, let me ask you this. My mom probably knows this. Okay. Well, why does his death certificate say he only had a bachelor's degree? His what? His death certificate. Mm -hmm. Well, his death certificate's not accurate for many reasons. Oh, they uh, uh-uh. they got a, a, a lot of stuff. Oh, what else is wrong? wrong? There. The the cause of death is not correct either. Oh, okay. So they say that he died from an enlarged heart. Was it? Mm-hmm. Okay. So there was no there was there was no there was no report of that. Okay. So how do you, how do you think your father died? Yeah. What did those autopsies? Well, say? what his girlfriend told me had happened when I had got her on the phone. She had said he was in the hotel room in the morning. He was walking to the bathroom. It was the day after they finished filming. And he collapsed to the floor and started convulsing and he started foaming around his mouth. Mm. He was then taken by ambulance. She says she was there in the ambulance and taken to the hospital and pronounced dead within 45 minutes of being at the hospital. Mm. The ambulance crew, who I talked to from the hospital, said that no one was in the ambulance with him and he was already passed at that point and that the hotel room was a crime scene. When I talked to the hotel... They said that she had tried to come back in to get her stuff and collect his stuff, but they wouldn't let her back in because it was a crime scene. So, you know, it's well, so a, a lot of weird yeah. situations after weird, weird situations. But mm-hmm. another thing that happened that was very bizarre to me was the ambulance crew said he had a medallion in his hand, wrapped in his hand, which mm. is this. Yeah. Um, Megan's wearing one of the receptors. Yeah. And, and it's yeah, got a, a red gem in the center, Ruby. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so, anyways, we called the hospital and asked for his personal belongings. Transferred us to the vault. Vault didn't know where they were. Transferred us back. I said, "How? You know, well, how was he identified?" And they said, "Using his driver's license." I said, well, where's his driver's license? And his belongings that he came into the hospital with, nobody knew. And then in the end, they just said that they were lost. Mm. Now, okay. I'm curious. Did that show with Jesse Ventura? Did that air eventually? It did. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, it, it aired a year after the show said they weren't going to air it. Then they ended up airing it. Every time it gets put on YouTube, it gets removed. Oh, really? <laughs> Don't know why. Um, they aired the show in I believe it was January. I only know because a client emailed us and said it was on True TV and um, sent me a link. At that point, it was live on the website. Mm. And basically, what they did was they went 
case by case through death ray technology, which was what he was talking about on the show, directed energy beam weaponary systems, which was what all the papers that were on his green bag of what we collected from the hotel, what was there. They said, um, and so basically they went case by case through everyone who ever tried to um, uncover it. And though they went through this person, they died miraculously however long after. And they went mm. this person, they went story by story. And my dad was last, showed that they showed a portion of his interview mm. and then said that, you know, and Jesse, this is still on YouTube, I think. Jesse went on the radio after the show and said what he said. I don't know how much of that was true, but he, he was very dramatic about it. He said Dr. Bell shared some very intense information, like some very like uncovering information and it's very important. And his, he was very dramatic. Like I, I need to go to the, I think he said something like I need to go to the police with this information, some, something like that. Yeah. I don't even remember. It, it feels Anyways. like the implication is that your dad said things he wasn't supposed to about death rays and he was killed as a result. Do you think that's a fair statement? Well, yeah. So my dad's talked about many times uh, having like a handler and the handler didn't realize he was doing TV. They say that, you know, you have a certain level of, protection when you're doing radio but when you move to television it's a whole another ball game hmm. jesse for whatever reason i've no idea why but was stopped filming a show after that he went to mexico and stayed in mexico for a long time and um then they stopped the show so a, a handler meaning from the government or what, what? Mm. Oh, yeah he talks about that in his, in his radio shows oh, okay so that was a person meant to protect him Mm-hmm. So, okay. Oh, so the government was trying to protect your dad because I was getting from the rest of the story that the government was maybe trying to harm your dad. Or, or was this handler someone who was trying to censor what he said and make sure he got approval before he said things? As far as I know, it was protection. He says that, well, I, I believe it was him that said it, or it might have been Jesse that went on the show. No, it couldn't have been my dad. It must have been Jesse, who said he didn't realize he was doing the show. So whether it was a last minute thing and he didn't, I have no idea. But you don't believe that your father died of natural causes. You think that there was something else at play? Do you have any suspects? Any suspects? Why don't you guys investigate that? That would be awesome. Oh, if we can find out anything. Give us a lead. Yeah. (laughs) That would be great. We gladly would. Honestly... I don't know. My my dad was healthy. He exercised. He didn't really in a lot. I remember in the last few years, he was definitely he was definitely more stressed. I want to say mm-hmm. um, when I lived with him, he 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 was dealing with a lot of stuff with the personal life issues. With I won't get into it, but with someone in his life, and um, it was very wearing on him. I think, and so he was definitely. Tired, getting tired out I want to say but okay. as far as as far as it being there's just too much weird stuff surrounding circumstances for it for me to completely believe that it was natural but you know I've prayed about it and I believe like God's like we're never gonna know the answer so just let it go mm. okay. so I have I've just made peace with it you know I do just want to point out, though, the term crime scene doesn't necessarily mean we know for sure a crime was committed. It means um, we We want to to rule out that there may have been a crime for, you know, the sake of your father's justice, if there was one. So then they still could have said, oh, okay, we looked into it. No, no reason to think a crime was committed. Now we look at other possibilities. 
but before then we need to preserve the space. That's what the hotel said. They said that, and she said that there was yellow tape. So, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, but I'm saying that could be true and it still wouldn't necessarily imply there was a crime, just that the police officers were doing their due diligence and making sure there wasn't a crime before. Right. And that's what I'm, that's what I mean when I say that. That's that's Mm -hmm. exactly what I mean. Okay. Well, Megan and Carrie. Yes, hello. Got to stop us just for a minute. Just wanted to talk about Best Fiends. Oh, Best Fiends. Yeah, this is important. We talk about this right now. (laughs) Absolutely. Megan, in fact, if you could be completely quiet for the next three, four minutes, that would be great. Thank you so much. Act like we just cut away to different audio. Yes. And you're not even here. Thank you so much. Oh, yep. Oh, she's making the little zipped lips movement with her hands. You're doing a great job. (laughs) But you should hear this too, because Best Fiends is an amazing game that you can play on your phone. Oh, really? I know we use the word phone, but Mm -hmm. it really does a lot of other things other than making phone calls. More of a pocket computer, yeah. Right. You can do so many things. You can even take pictures with them, but you can play games on them now, too. No way. Yeah, they're like little gaming platforms. I don't know if I believe this. In your pocket. Well, I play a game called Best Fiends. Nice. Yeah, and I always like to give an update on where I'm at. You sure do. I am on level 2,485. Oh my goodness, those are numbers. I've been on a real binge carry. I got all the way through that uh, Dreamland Amusement Park. Oh right, where Drew and I meet every night. And now I'm on to Snowford Village, so. Snowford? Snowford. Like, ooh, I like it. I yeah. like that name. Yeah, see, got things going on. Oh, and it's snowy. It looks like frozen. It's a colorful game. It's a puzzle game. You collect bugs you upgrade them and they help you you have all these little abilities that you build up so you figure out which bug is going to help you from each color to solve the puzzle most efficiently so usually when you hear it this application has a lot of bugs (laughs) you think oh that's not good but in this case it's like that's great yeah i'm gonna submit a bug report and say (laughs) that i really like rue rue's probably my favorite bug Though Bam is pretty awesome as well. Another epic fiend. Anyway, so they're your fiends and they help you defeat the slugs and move your way through this world, this ever-scrolling world with all kinds of fun designs and seasonal challenges. I'm really into it. I play it a lot while I watch movies, while I talk to people on the phone. It seems like a nice, fun, casual thing. Yeah, some of the levels are legit hard. Uh And so I'll end up doing them four or five times to finally get past them. And then there's bonuses you can get. And you can apply real world money if you want to get bonuses and stuff like that. But you don't have to. Nice. Yeah, and then when you join, you can add me as a friend. I'm 23509912. That's my friend code. And then you can join me and the hundreds of other people I'm connected to on Best Fiends. Damn. It's fun. Why don't you be one of Ross's Best Fiends? Why don't you stop crushing the same old candy and try a puzzle game with something fresh to offer yeah do that (laughs) so download best fiends free today on the app store or google play that's friends without the r best fiends ross the other day yes oh sorry megan we'll be back in a sec the other day you approached me in my car i did and you were wearing new shoes i sure you were was like i gotta show you my shoes i was very excited about my new shoes I you still didn't am. approach me just for this purpose it wasn't like i was driving and you were on foot and you like ran up you're like carry my shoes we were doing a quick exchange related to next week's investigation yes but anyway you had to show me that you have new Rothies. Yeah, well, you know what I was doing? I was thinking about Rothies and how they have the men's styles now. Yeah. And they have this 
RS01 sneaker. Okay. RS1. It's a sneaker. Ross's shoe number one. That, correct. That, <laughs> that is the abbreviation. And, uh, and I was like, oh, I like this design. And they had a number of different color variations. Most of them were light, mm-hmm. but I'm usually a dark shoe kind of guy. And mm-hmm. they had this one that was black. And it's essentially- He's holding it up, folks. It's essentially, nice. I think, the male version of the point, which is that popular black shoe with the blue stripe that uh-huh. my wife has. Similar. And it's made out of recycled plastic water, water bottles. Models. Yeah, and it's um yeah super cozy. I, I really like this. This is nice. And I don't think I've ever done that before, where I've just bought shoes sight unseen. I saw the sight on the site, but I mean uh, <laughs> without trying them on. Yeah, because I'm very picky about shoes. So I was like, oh, well, I'll see how this goes. Yeah, uh, but I ordered. We're, we're asking people to do it every week. I guess I better check. Uh, yeah, right. Um, so oh, I'm size ten. This says ten, and yeah, they fit great. Nice. They, and uh, just like we've said about the other shoes, they are comfortable right out of the box. They've got a little bit of a like stretchability to them. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, super comfortable. Yeah, they're flexible. You know, right. they're your friends who you tell them you're running a half hour late and they're like, it's no problem. I, I'm just barely getting out of bed over here. Rothy is your accepting flexible friend. Yes. He's like, it's no problem. That's Whatever. Right. Like, I just barely rolls out of bed. I'm flexible. <laughs> I That's got you. the Rothy shoe. I got your drift. Yes. So they also have like these kind of more like loafer style shoes. Again, these are all the nice. men's styles, but they also have all the same variety of wonderful shoes yeah. for for ladies and whoever enjoys the designs. Yeah. They're nice designs. Yeah, I tend to uh in general go for the shoes that are made for quote unquote men. Those you know, yeah. or we might call them unisex at this point. But yeah, you might so like I might the take a Ross look too. shoe number one. <laughs> Maybe I will. And you know, from slip on sneakers and classic flats to chic handbags and spacious totes, Rothy's fan favorite styles make getting dressed so easy. And you deserve shoes and bags that can keep up with your busy life. So go sock free in your sneakers and don't sweat stinky clothes in your gym bag because everything Rothy's makes is fully machine washable. Fresh and clean in no time. Excellent. And Rothy's newly launched men's unisex shoes are intentionally designed with an artisanal level of detail and they are created with almost zero waste. I mean, nothing in this world is truly zero waste, but this is close, people. Nearly zero. Rothy's men's shoes are durable, washable. I haven't tried washing mine yet. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to get these things dirty and better for the <laughs> planet. Plus, rigorous testing during R&D results in a perfect fit wash after wash. So keep it fresh this summer with washable shoes and bags from Rothy's. Head to rothys.com slash oh no to find your new warm weather favorites today. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash oh no. Okay, but hold on, Megan. I know you you were just opening your mouth to speak again, but instead, I would like to speak to you a little bit more and tell you about this Jumbotron that just appeared in my oven. I opened up my oven. I thought a cake would come out. Now mm-hmm. came this Jumbotron. Okay. Well, what does it say? Who's it for? Let's see. It's for <clears throat> Chris Wilson. That thing's steaming hot. It I looks know. like it's from Rosie May. Yes. So let's see. It says... I thought there was no better way to wish you a happy birthday than to get Ross and Carrie to do it. Aw. So happy birthday. We love you. Aw, yay. Aw, happy birthday, Chris. I think they meant to put a cake in the oven, and then they accidentally put this birthday jumbotron in the oven. Oh, that makes sense. But, you know, it's fine. It's fine. We got there. We figured it out. Happy birthday, Chris Wilson. Happy birthday. Okay, I guess we'll get back to Megan now. 
Now, you know, you mentioned we uh, tried out these pyramids, but, you know, pyramids have been around for a long time. But the uh, nuclear receptor and those designs, those are original to your father. Um, Now, in The Promise, it talks about them coming from Atlantean technology by way of Egypt and then the connection with the Pleiades, the Pleiadians. What would you say about that? Where do you feel that that technology comes from for the nuclear receptors? The technology, I believe, I mean, well, he patented it. I believe the patent was approved in 81. Um, you, I'm guys, sure you guys already investigated that. Um, you can probably tell me the exact date. But um, it was based off of Cassegrain, which is the parabolic dish, which works, operates on scalar waves. That was the main idea behind it. I think my dad had said that he was given the idea from one of these angelic visitations that he had mm-hmm. that, I think that's what it says in the promise, but that yeah. was my, that's what I think, but they, they're pretty amazing. They're pretty incredible. These things definitely try one. If I mean, I'm happy to gift you guys one. Oh, oh my God, please. Wow. <laughs> I mean, we'd gladly take them by all means. Yeah, you, if, can if try you, it. you can try it out. If you're offering. We've been word of mouth forever. When my dad passed away, I honestly didn't know Fairdine was going to be able to continue i left my whole life behind after much reluctancy because i didn't want to move but it was like either i don't and his legacy kind of just disappears and everything he worked his whole life for disappears or i move over to the states and this is your full-time work now Mm -hmm. i I do other stuff i have people that help me with the day-to-day stuff with Fairlane, but okay yeah just to see how it was going to go and a lot of people that were really encouraging me family clients people who were like you know this can't die and so I had a lot of like affirmation on on that personally on what I should do and I really you know when you like push against something you're like I really don't want to do this and just keep slamming you in the face like I don't want to do do. this I don't want to do this this." oh yes but it just keeps coming back and it's like a human universal okay fine (laughs) yeah so I literally threw up my hands and I was like fine all right, whatever. Because everything in the UK started falling apart, like work-wise, my relationship, everything. I was like, mm. well, I guess I've got nothing really going on here right now. So my dad's best friend, he's the founder of Isogenics, John Anderson. You can look him up. He's the master formulator of our supplements. And he offered, opened up his house to help resurrect Pyridine, get it going again and, and help me with all of it. And so I was like, okay. So I lived with them for about a year while we reformulated our supplements and we went over ideas and things like that. And the website was down for about six months. And the day that we got the website live again, literally it was just a little WordPress site that I built myself. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> and uh, the day it went live, we we got two pyramid sales and a book sale. Oh, wow. It was really cool. I was like, wow. You know, and it was, I think for me too, like connection with him. Mm-hmm. you know yeah and so it really meant a lot a lot to me to 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 see that and, and over the years as i've received literally hundreds of emails from people thanking me for continuing on his work how important it is how much it's helped them it's made me feel better good okay like about everything that i'm doing just to just to be able to help people alone is huge you know yeah. I, I talk to people all across the world we ship all across the world and i all the testimonies that you, you guys read on the website those mm-hmm. are all real people who sent us it. testimonies. So we're not making any of that stuff up. Yeah, we Didn't believe suspect it. Any of that, that stuff up. I you take that to the grave. I believe in the Lord mm-hmm. Jesus. So I, you know what I mean? I'm, a, I'm accountable for my words. I'm accountable for my actions. I'm accountable for everything I say and do. You know, I, I like to stand behind truth. That's very, very important to me because 
that we're just passing through in this life it's pretty short so what we do matters so what I do matters and 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 I and I take it, it it's very important to me I take it very seriously when you guys asked me to do an interview I was like sure I had no idea what it was but I'm like yeah, yeah we appreciate you doing it yeah well I don't read insincerity on you at all and I totally believe that all of the testimonials are real we've certainly seen lots and lots of testimonials in our work so we know that for every product there's always going to be a lot of very happy customers I'm curious since you mentioned uh, selling the pyramids has anyone bought those like five Five thousand and up dollar pyramids, or there's the the twelve hundred dollar chrysalidome. How many of those do you sell per year? I wanted to address this with you guys. You guys are talking about the price of a pyramid. You're like one hundred and forty nine dollars for this thing. Do you guys know how much it costs to make a pyramid? No. How much? Do, do you guys know? No. To make because it's it's to make like one. The like well, what, what do you mean? Right uh, uh, the pier this pyramid or any pyramid? That that pyramid that you guys are wearing. No, how um, much? Okay, I'm going to guess. Well, let me ask you this. Is it genuine gold? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Gold-plated. Well, gold right. It's called the secret sauce. It's, it's a seven-layered plating system that's used in a, a, what's called a flash dip. Okay, okay, so most of it is titanium, aluminum? No, I can't tell you what the, me- the, the okay. secret layers of, of the metals are because that's okay. what my, my dad came up with, ah, which makes okay. them so cool. Well, then it's harder to guess. So why don't you tell us how much does it cost? Well, I'm not going to tell you, obviously, the exact cost of, okay. of it. but it, it, it <laughs> You're not going to give us your margins. Warrants, yeah, right. But it, it warrants the price tag. It's not. And we have to make these things. We make them all in California and we have to produce high quantities of these at a time to be able to make an order. We can't just order one or like uh, make two or whenever you know, someone you know what I mean? asks for it. So, so how many, uh, only, how many chrysalidomes, how many chrysalidomes would you sell in a year generally? Um, is that the really expensive one? Yeah, that's the $1,200. The chrysalidome is, is $1,200. Um, I want to see if I can pull up my admin from here. We've been selling quite a lot of them. We have oh, wow. uh, we have an uh, a, a guy on Instagram. His he does breath work. He says oh, he's I a breath, breath. Yeah. He says he's a breatharian. I I haven't uh, spoken with him personally. His name is Devin, and um, he talks a lot about his experiences. He has one. Uh, naturally, people want what he has, so oh, people have been gotcha. you know using his his code or whatever. Oh, okay. Um, to to order because they they've all loved them. Maybe okay. they're choosing to love them. Maybe they really do love them. I, okay. I don't know, but we but sell you quite do a sell few them. of the crystallizers. Okay, okay. Because people want, titanium is, is, is the best. When you're looking at like, a, have you ever looked at the vibration of metal? Have you ever looked at like the megahertz frequency of metal, of what each metal's put out? I don't think oh, so. Oh, not, not specifically. They, They're resonant how frequencies. How they resonate. Yeah, 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 yeah. So titanium is one of, one of the highest next to gold, obviously. So that's why it's one of the best. But it's also not cheap at all. Okay. So titanium is extremely expensive now unfortunately due to covid most things have become either very high priced or very hard to get hold of and then you have the operating systems you know how how many companies have shut down small businesses have shut down because of hard times so now you're looking at what i used to be able to do can no longer do do for this and now i have to they have bigger quantities and they want more and more and more and more so to be able to do a product that we've done 
40 plus years, I want to be able to continue that. Unfortunately, mm. if we want to be able to sell them, it has to be somewhat worth it. If you're just yeah. breaking even on a product. Yeah, we were definitely reacting to some of those prices because some of the hologram receptors, you know, those can cost as much as a small car, essentially. But, yeah, but, yeah but well, Silversmith, yeah. So, so Silversmith Workout, our office is downtown Los Angeles and uh, all of the receptors are custom made. They're all handmade polished, lasered, every intricate detail on every single one of them takes time. We don't make our stuff in China. If we made our stuff <laughs> in China, we might be able to reduce our cost, but I refuse to do oh, that. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and I don't want you to take from this that we thought you were personally overcharging, you know, based on your base materials, just that it is a lot of money, just period. The way a right. car is a lot of money. So you hope that you're getting a lot out of it, you know. So you said that these are manufactured in downtown LA. We're in downtown LA. Is this a facility we could go to? Definitely not. They have high security. It's in the Jewelry District. Okay. I can tell you the, the, the main address. It's on West 6th Street. Oh, I was going to say down 6th Street probably. Okay, yep. Yeah, okay. The area. But it's high security, meaning like armed guards or something? There Keeping are armed guards. Safe? Yeah, not the, not the pyramids. <laughs> well, they're, they're producing the other there. things in the same facility. They, 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 do, they, they, they do the diamond dust pyramids. But they okay. don't do the ones that you guys are wearing. Okay. Oh, gotcha. But they okay. handle the receptors and the projectors. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys probably know there's high crime in LA. So the, the, the that, security yeah. guards at the door definitely sure. definitely warrant it. You can take a walk down there. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, one block over, you can get a nice suit for good and cheap. Um, <laughs> well, uh, so just to return to the the design of the, the pendants themselves, mm-hmm. do you believe that your father designed those or do you believe that he got those designs from some other source? I believe, I believe both. I think you ever had a dream where you've gotten an idea mm-hmm. where you've gotten like a like vision a, of something. a download, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I believe that we're assisted in a lot of the things that we do in life. It's not like, oh, I 100%. Well, I mean, even if it, if, if it came from a vision, it's still coming from you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's no one ever, ever that said, oh, you know, I designed that. And you know what I mean? Well, uh, let me just pull your feelings. Do you believe that there was an ancient Atlantean civilization? I don't know. I've seen all the pictures of the underwater mm-hmm. uh, stuff, you know, all the statues. And, yeah. you know, my husband, actually, my husband loves to investigate, just like you guys. He was saying that we know more about out of space than we do about our own oceans. Yeah. Which That's, is yeah. kind of a scary thought. Yeah. There's a lot there's a lot going on down there that we don't know about. You know, I hope no monsters or anything like that, but you know, some interesting creatures. Yeah. I mean, I guess I can't I don't know, so I couldn't say yes or no on it. There could okay. be. And I wasn't around then, so it's not really observable, I suppose. So I I, I don't know. It okay. does. It does feel if I go to the Pyridine website and sort of click around for, you know, why is this product special and what makes it science based? Things do keep coming back to your dad. And and I recognize a lot of this stuff you kind of can't you can't really say like, well, where did this factoid come from? And that puts you in kind of an awkward position, but you're still the face of the company. So you're the only one to ask. So one of the things it mentions is that he worked for the Air Force. You mentioned that too. Do you know what his title was there? No, no. I I, I don't know a, a lot about everything that my dad did in his life. I listened yeah. to him talking, you know, on the, on the radio now and I was a kid. It's mm. not, yeah. you know, you can be fat. I, I used to watch him. That's one thing I did, which kids mm-hmm. do, because they say more is caught than taught. So 
I mm. wouldn't have probably absorbed much anyway, but I did used to watch him building things. I used to watch him restore, repair like ham radios, television sets. I used to see him. He was he was an engineer. That's it. He was an engineer. He had a his mind, the things that he was able to do and build. I saw him building the ion showers, uh, these electronics kits where he was able to just take every, like a computer, take everything apart, lay it all out, put it all back together again and fix it without an instruction manual, without YouTube. So obviously back then it wasn't mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. and he did it with his own mind. <laughs> and that I observed, that sure. I saw him do because that was his tinkering and stuff was what he loved to do. And the the products... Um, a lot of them we don't have on the website now because he used to build them himself. Mm-hmm. So we can't sell them anymore. But the information that you guys are seeing on the website is pretty much copy and paste from his original website. I did right. not uh, copyright any of it. I get that you didn't write it. So I couldn't find, this doesn't mean it doesn't exist, but I couldn't find any record of him in the Air Force. So I, I guess what I'm I'm having trouble with here. He, he definitely was in the Air Force. Okay. And I know he was in the Air Force because I have heard him with other people who were also in his field in, in the Air Force. I've heard him mm. on the phone. I had him when I was a kid. I had, uh-huh. I, there's, the way when you w- would watch him speak about experiences and stuff, it doesn't look like somebody who's lying. And why, why on earth would they, what reason would they have to lie about that? Like, yeah. What benefit do you have from lying about that, Professor? Well, I mean, oh, I don't know. If, even if it turns out he wasn't in the Air Force, I don't know that that means he was lying. He could have been sort of overstating, like if he if his dad was in the Air Force and he helped him on stuff. You know, like sometimes those stories grow over a person's lifetime. As for what would the motivation be, I mean... <laughs> the same motivation for keeping that stuff on your website. It gives this sort of credibility to your products. And I am noticing a sort of lack of specificity here, right? Like, oh, a clinical study. Well, no, it's actually a letter from a guy. Oh, he's a descendant. Well, no, he's actually just sort of in Alexander Graham Bell's greater family tree. Uh, the book's a true story. Well, no, it's just sort of a true story. Oh, uh, he went to Bernadine University in Pasadena. Well, not really. You know, so like, I get that you didn't write this stuff, but you are the person with control over the website who can go and source check whether this stuff is true. And I'm wondering if you feel you have an obligation to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's definitely a fair point. It's not, never anything that in my mind... I had ever been convicted of because I knew my dad and I knew that he wouldn't have any reason to lie. So mm-hmm. for me, I just continued on being like, yeah, this is, this is it. And when you have, when you're surrounded by, by the people who knew him very, very well, very intimately and knew a lot more than you did about him, you trust, mm-hmm. you know what sure. I mean? And Until you're in charge of the company. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the, the, the products themselves and my dad, yes, that this was my father's company, but the products themselves, they do something. And obviously I get that you guys have a critical point of view from that because you're trying to see something that's observable, which energy is not observable for the most part, unless you're using thousand rolls or, you know, finger tests or even, even us walking around, we're human beings and we're electrical, but yeah. you, you can't see that. 
Well, I've noticed in many of your you know YouTube I mean? videos, you use things like EMF meters, you know, because anything that's real should have some kind of measurable results, you know, and maybe we have to yeah. be careful about the type of measurements we take. But, you know, they should compute and play out in the real world. We should be able to find right. some way to I, show I get, that they I, work. I get where you guys are coming from. I completely understand where mm. you guys are coming from. The circumstances surrounding my father's death and everything are far from normal. The yeah. fact that the information you can't find now and the fact that all of his stuff was stolen, I mean, I find that a little bit strange. Yeah. Well, clearly... <laughs> Maybe I mean, he knew something that he wasn't supposed to know. and That's the implication. Why, why else? What else could you give me another scenario? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think it's, yeah. yeah, it's worth asking those questions and looking into it and seeing what kind of data you can find about, you know, what the circumstances of his death. And, and clearly, I think you would agree that a certain mythos has grown up around your father. He's kind of a larger than life character in the way he presented himself. Like you said yourself that the promise is kind of a mix of fact and fiction. I don't know if you can elaborate on that and kind of point to things that you know to be fiction but why would he do that why would he with brad steiger kind of create that mythos because they were trying to create um an awesome uh, entertaining book okay <laughs> but i mean it but it does talk specifically about the source of the receptor you know and that he had one that came from a pyramid in egypt and that that one was taken away but then he was able to copy the design like is that true because that's kind of part of the advertising of the receptor itself yeah the promise the the promise and my dad talked a lot about this yeah. is a half fiction half fact book it is created for not only entertainment but again i wasn't around when they wrote the book sure <laughs> so yeah i I, oh, yeah. I can't tell you exactly what their motive was it's, and it's a very old book like we got the book you know when carrie ordered her pyramid it was in a package that came with this and it says on the back here's the amazing in caps but all true story of alien intervention into the life of one earth person dr fred bell engineer and nasa rocket scientist I, I understand that, but here's the thing. My dad didn't write this book, so he was not in control of the what it says. He did not write this book. He was okay. telling the story, and he says that it was half fiction, half fact, and Brad knows that. Brad knew that. Brad's passed away. His, you can reach out to his wife if you like. Well, so why are you still selling it on your website then? If you, if it's if it's fictional, why is there a two thousand? Like it. There's a 2018 ebook on your website. The author is listed only as Dr. Fred Bell, and it says the true story. What's going on there? That is what Brad Seiger wrote. It's the story right. told. It says by... Dr. Fred Bell on your website. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't mention. Too. Would it make you happy if I went and changed that? <laughs> yes, that yes, absolutely. Well, so that's kind of what I'm getting at. Is like, with it. can we expect a sort of update where you actually go through and say, like you said, I take accountability. I I get that. Like, this is my responsibility now. Even if I didn't write this stuff, it's my responsibility to fact check it now. Yes. Okay, I appreciate that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I get what you're saying, and I agree with you. Okay. Yeah, maybe like a little insert even, like sort of a disclaimer to go with the book or something. Because when I read it, I thought, well, okay, well, this is a representation of the origin story. And then there were Nazis involved and, you know, like all kinds of crazy stuff. Big story. And, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I say crazy, but, you know, like m momentous, important stuff, you know, all that's really interesting. If true. I think my iPad is uh, listening to me because, because I'm going to my search bar. 
Then it's got at the bottom, Alexander Graham Bell, nuclear weapons testing. Uh-oh. These are all suggestions. <laughs> oh. And I have not, this is a new iPad. I haven't even typed any of that in. So well, I don't hopefully, know what's going on there. Hopefully uh, our, an I interview thought. on our show is not at all like an interview on Jesse Ventura's show. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm not I'm not as exciting as my dad was. Um, and I hope it hasn't been too boring. <laughs> we no, think you're pretty exciting. Not at all. And l- let me tell you again, uh, just how much we appreciate you coming on. We, we really, really do. do. We really do. And um, I know we've already overstayed our welcome with how long we said we'd talk with you. Thanks for being generous. I I do want to give you an opportunity to let us know if anything in that episode that you heard wasn't uh, accurate. Episode you're talking about? Oh, the the one that we published, our first episode. If if there's anything that we got wrong. Oh, It was honestly, guys. It was entertaining. It really, okay. it really okay. was entertaining, and and it, and somewhat like refreshing, I suppose, too, because I get a lot of positive feedback from the pro- from the products. I don't get a lot mm. of people say that they don't like them or that they had a bad experience with them. So it was definitely refreshing in that respect and oh. shocking. Sometimes, you know, you need things to be brought to your attention in order to be able to change them. For sure, I'm definitely not above anybody else, and you know, a, li- a little humbling is okay. I'm I'm totally fine with that. Um, I would say to give the pyramids definitely a fair experiment. Oh, and the other thing I'd say too is you're talking about headaches. Yeah. It is common to get a headache when you start wearing your receptor. And everyone's bodies are in different conditions. Mm-hmm. So and environments. Obviously I'm you know you guys are in California. It's not the best place for Mm. air quality over mm. there even though you're next to the ocean which is odd but anyway there is a level of detoxing that happens when you first start wearing the pyramid and sometimes people feel great immediately and sometimes people will get headaches for a few days when you get a headache you take the pyramid off you drink water and you put the pyramid back on again okay. when you feel better and it will okay. stop and go away but i love that you guys are wearing them and that you guys took the time to try out these products and research us and investigate us i love it i love it I'll admit, like, I was nervous about this conversation, but Megan, you've been like so re- receptive, like your receptors, um, and so and so generous and yeah. and and uh, humble and open minded. Yes, that uh, this this has really been a lovely surprise for me. So thank you. Yeah, we've really thank enjoyed you. this. I- I appreciate that very much, guys, and uh, I love your show. Oh, thank it's you. Very comical and and important, actually. Give credit to what to what you guys do. I this is the first time I've watched you guys, so I will watch some of your other videos and see what else you guys are investigating. Because well, maybe yeah, you, oh, fun. you guys There's doing some fun ones. Really cool, so. Well, and if you're serious about sending the receptors, we would gladly take them. Yeah, we would, we would okay. love yeah. that. Uh, well, thank you yeah. so much. Let me Megan. know what colors. Let me know what colors you guys like. Oh, yeah. Is it okay. is it based on like birth month or just no? So you can do like a muscle test. I know you guys are getting fun with that. Do the, do the finger test and, and go through each color. So do I need red? Okay. Oh, God, yes. We'll follow. Yes. We're excited. <laughs> okay, it. we'll follow up with that. Thank you so much, Megan. Really enjoyed talking yeah. to you. Yeah, absolutely. You guys take care and All right, uh, you too. All, All right. right. Bye. 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 Well, oh my gosh, that was exciting. Like Carrie and I came off of that interview really energized, yeah, and excited because we went into it knowing it could be confrontational. I mean, because Megan had every incentive to be defensive, mm-hmm. and and she's in a really interesting situation yeah, where she was super young one. when her dad passed away. She didn't know him 
too well personally and kind of his legacy was this business that she took over. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We were both just really impressed with how willing she was. I think you saw, you know, sometimes we'd ask something and the conversation might shift in a different direction. But if we came back to it, she would engage Mm -hmm. and she didn't want to just let things fly by she obviously wasn't comfortable with that which i really respect yeah it's it's an interesting thing when you inherit claims because she's inheriting this responsibility as well you know in her mind she's just inheriting this company but along with it came all of the promises pun intended right on the website and in all the marketing materials and some of those had to do with her dad and that's a really awkward position and as she's noted to us since He's not here to defend himself. He's not here to explain things. So we do have to be patient as she tries to figure this stuff out. But on that note, she has been emailing us since this interview. Mm -hmm. And she's very diligently trying to find documentation, talking to other people who have been in Dr. Fred Bell's life, Mm -hmm. trying to figure this out. I wouldn't say that's conclusive just yet. But when we have an update, we will absolutely share it. And one small update. We've already noticed on the Pyridine website that... It no longer mentions Bernadine University in Pasadena, California. And just a quick point of clarification about the Bernadine University that Carrie mentioned. Uh, She's been able to find newspaper references to it being in Las Vegas, Nevada, and California. So it may have been a correspondence school with multiple addresses, though it was Nevada that censured the school. All degrees from the school remain in question, and we have found no accredited school in the U.S. by that name. Uh, Thank you to all the sleuths who wrote in telling us that there is a Pasadena in Texas, uh, though there doesn't seem to be any connection to the school there that we can find. I also did mean to follow up within the interview and mention that on the Pyridine YouTube channel, they do show the Fire Dome Pyramid being used to preserve lettuce and avocados. So clearly it has been used for that purpose, but I will be rerunning those experiments closer to Megan's specifications using the gold pyramid that I've swapped from Carrie. So I'll let you know how that goes. Certainly there was a lot more that we could have talked about in regards to kinesiology, scalar waves, resonant frequencies, dowsing rods, a lot of the other topics that came up in the interview. Uh, But hopefully if you've been listening to our show for a while, you know a bit more about the context around those. But we were just so impressed with her overall attitude because it would have been so easy just to purely be on the defensive and, mm-hmm. and not listen to the, the counterclaims being mm-hmm. offered. And she really did. She really took that seriously. Uh, so we applaud her for that. And she offered, as you heard in the interview, to send us some of these pendants. And yeah, nuclear receptors. Y- yes, that's right. And afterwards, she asked us to pick out, well, what colors do you want? She advised that we should do this special muscle testing over a color chart that is in the pyridine receptor and holographic projector manual and care guide, which I happen to have a copy of. Yeah, funny, that $12 booklet for care of this thing that we had not bought (laughs) right but yeah this was a form of kinesiology that i hadn't encountered before it was kind of like a like a dowsing rod that doesn't require you to have any other devices like it's just using your own body you've got your own built-in dowsing rod Uh, yeah i mean it reminds me a bit more of like applied kinesiology but yeah like where yeah that's what i'm saying it's like a form of applied kinesiology i've never seen before yeah so it was we would use our fingers instead of our arms basically so you hover your finger over this color chart you would take your pointer finger on your weak hand 
mm-hmm. and hover it over various colors on this color chart and then be pressing down with the middle finger of your dominant hand and noticing whether your weak pointer <laughs> finger is getting stronger or weaker over each color. In its resistance against the pressing of the middle finger of your strong hand. Are we all on the same page? <laughs> is this not confusing? <laughs> what process led to that being discovered? What's also interesting is if you went over a color you were supposed to have. (laughs) Carrie's closing her eyes intensely as she's working on the (laughs) phrasing of this. That meant, yes, you need this thing. Mm -hmm. And if your finger went down, it meant, no, you don't need this thing. Right. So the strong resistance by the weak finger tells you that this is a good connection for you. Yes. So we both were doing this over this color chart. And what's also interesting is we were trying to correct for preference because... Right. We both knew which colors we would pick for the gemstones just based on which ones looked the coolest. Yeah. Like I love yellow, red, pink, orange. So I would notice like, oh, oh, really strong over that orange there. And I'd be like, (laughs) are you sure? Are you sure? Like try to sort of blind yourself a little. you speaking? Right. Yeah. Kind of like hover over a couple colors. Don't think about them. So, but I did still end up with yellow. Okay. Well, and you passed over red, which would have been maybe your visual preference. Yep. Yeah. And I passed over just solid blue, which would have been maybe my visual preference or green because that's the one mentioned in the book. And I kind of like the idea of one that Mm. looks and feels like the account in the book and can potentially ward off aliens if they show up. But I ended up with the light blue. And each of us had like maybe three or four matches that we had to then do a second round to see, okay, which is the best. And and I got to say, you do get a response from that. It does feel mm-hmm. does feel like sometimes your finger is pushing back a little more than others. So when I get my yellow, that's going to help me with detoxification, digestion, and mental clarity. Ooh, maybe I'll fart less. Okay. Fart less, focus more. Okay. Or you um, can put it on Drew. God, finally. Finally plug up that ass. And what are my benefits from the light blue? Yours are boost immune system, soothing, and better communication. Okay. And then here I thought I'd made this weighty decision. I was all done. This was very hard. And then I'm driving home and Carrie texts me and says, she wants to know if you want gold or silver. And I was like, oh, this is so tough. (laughs) So close. What was really funny is she actually just asked, well, what kind of metal do you want? So I said, the $16,000 pure gold one. (laughs) 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 But then I said, I'm just kidding. Uh, But. She clarified that the gold is calming, whereas the silver is energizing. And I just preferred gold for the look of it. So I picked gold. I really wrestled over that because generally I'm a fan of the color, the look of silver Mm. over that of gold. But I feel like for these, the gold ones looked a little more, I don't know, impressive Hmm, visually. And the original account, I think, mentioned a gold pendant. And now that you mention what my topaz or light blue stone does, it sounds like that's more consistent with a calming metal, the gold, mm, rather yeah. than that energizing silver. Oh, point. Yep. I wouldn't want them counteracting each other. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, Can you imagine? And when I told her our colors, she said, okay, that makes sense because for Ross, I was thinking blue. And for you, Carrie, I was getting red. Well, it's funny. She called our visual preferences. Yeah, after the fact. But yes. (laughs) Um, And I said, oh, wow, yeah. You know, if I had just been going by looks, I would have picked red. But nope, nope. 
Um, we are way more excited about this than we should be. <laughs> if I had gotten red, I would have gotten a high energy boost. Whoa. Something people are always yeah, telling me you, I need more of. Really, yeah, people gonna, are always like, just please pick it up a little, Carrie. Say, like, finally. We'll <laughs> take more care. enthusiasm, for God's sake. We'll not carry out of her stupor. <laughs> But no, I'll be getting, be finally digesting some things. Well, so uh, this may be an ongoing interaction, but we really, really enjoyed this back and forth. I think it was something new for both of us. And uh, we appreciate Megan being such a willing participant. Even yeah. after she listened to our first episode. Yeah. And, and now our second. And seen well. like our Facebook pages. Yeah. Though the interview happened before we released the second, the second part. That's yeah. right. But she's listened now and she's still talking to us. Oh, hey. Okay. Yeah. She's great. Pretty impressive. That's uh, yeah. that's some open mindedness there. Yeah. And we appreciate that. So thanks for coming along on the ride. Yeah. And thank you, Megan Bell. And we will be back with more about her as soon as we have more about her. Uh, well, that's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. This episode was edited by Ross Blotcher. Our administrative manager is Ian Kramer. You can support this and all our investigations and interviews by going to MaximumFun.org forward slash join. And thank you so much to everybody who makes these episodes possible. Uh, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I'm a Max Fund member. I support Ono Ross and Carrie. Thank you so much. You really do yeah. make this possible. This would not happen. Otherwise, you can also support us by leaving us a positive review. That doesn't cost any money. You can tell a friend. You can post about us on social media. If someone is charging you for your review, it's not good. And also, you can follow us on social media. Yeah, we have those. Yeah. Twitter, Facebook, whatever, you'll find it. And also, if you're in the Los Angeles area and you have teenagers aged 13 to 18, you might be interested in the new Evolve Youth Group. It's Los Angeles's first humanist youth group, and they're going to be having an inaugural outdoor scavenger hunt this coming Saturday, September 25th at 2 p.m. We'll be meeting at the Urban Light installation outside LACMA. So this is for curious and open-minded high school students, something new, potentially exciting. I'm going to be involved. It's founded by the awesome student Bella Harris. Anyways, uh, again, if you're in the L.A. area and have teens ages 13 through 18 who might be interested in this, you can find out more at EvolveYouthGroup.com. And remember, from Conspiracy Theory with Jesse Ventura. This one was dangerous from the start. I just never imagined how deadly it would all turn out. It began when I got a call to meet Dr. Fred Bell. He's a scientist who's worked on a lot of top-secret government programs. He wanted to tell me that one of those secrets got loose. A secret beam weapon, that a death ray. Kill? That could kill, it's a death ray. A death ray? Yes. I think it's gonna be used for very destructive purposes. Now, wait a minute, Doctor. You know, I don't just run off and chase down everything that somebody comes to me. How do you know about this? I was a NASA rocket scientist. When I left that, I became a consultant in the industry. And during that time, I helped develop that ray. You helped develop the ray. Doctor, what exactly in layman's terms is a death ray? The first phase, it's like a microwave that you can direct that penetrates the surface of your skin and stimulates the central nervous system. It's very hard to detect. It's not like shooting somebody. There's no traces of crime. It's a perfect way for secret government operatives to do wet work. Wet work? That's CIA talk for assassinations. This death ray comes pocket size. First phase, now give me second phase. That completely destroys matter. It becomes antimatter. It can be absolute destruction. 
Really? Yeah. So in other words, using this ray, it could destroy a building? <laughs> building, a whole city. Building is, <laughs> use some explosives on that. You're a demolition expert. You could take a building down yourself. No, I'm talking about a whole city could go. Boom. Really? Really, really. It's that dangerous. Aren't you in fear for your life? No. Why? Because sometimes they need favors from me even, you know? Sometimes something is necessary and I'll go help with it. But you're concerned enough today that this death ray could be used for purposes not exactly oh, yeah. good. Yeah. So that's a start. Small enough to kill a person, big enough to take down a city. We've got to find out who's got their hands on this thing and what it's being used for. We have wasted this world. Our magic put a storm in the sky that has rendered the surface of our planet uninhabitable. But beneath the surface, well, that's another story entirely. In a city built leagues below the apocalypse, survivors of the storm forge paths through a strange new world. Some seek salvation for their homeland above. Others seek to chart the vast undersea expanse outside the city's walls. And others still seek, what else? Fortune and glory. Dive into the Ether Sea, the latest campaign from the Adventure Zone, every other Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.